ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Well, 2024 marks the year of the dragon, so the perfect time for us to explore the captivating world of dragon boat racing. Now, originating in ancient China, as you'd probably imagine, fascinating sport it is, sailed across many seas to become a global phenomenon. Dynamic fusion, of course, of ancient customs and modern competition. Well, Melanie Cantwell is the well, Melanie Cantwell is from the Australian Dragon Boat Federation and happy to say that she joins me on the line. Hi, Melanie. Morning, Tim. Look, tell us how you got involved with this fascinating sport. This year will be my 30th year involved wow. in INR, which um, from my personal perspective, all started with uh, a, a, a lady I used to go to the gym with said to me one day, oh, do you want to come down and try this sport with me? Mm. And I said, oh, sure, never heard of it. And I thought, oh, it might be a fun way to do spend the summer doing some exercise on the water. Yeah. Um, went down, tried it, and have never looked back back since. And personally, I've had the opportunity since then to be involved at at club level. I've I've been a, a state board director. I've been um, an, a national board director. Um, I currently sit on the international international executive. Right. Um, and have worked my way through to be an international race official as well. So (laughs) as well as being, you know, my early days being an athlete and saw the race official pathway as a different, as a different alternative. So that's just my, my little uniqueness. We've got the right person to talk to about dragon boat racing, haven't we? (laughs) What, what keeps you involved in it? Look, I, I actually really think it's, it's the people that, there are it's a very eclectic sport we have you know people from you know our juniors right through to our senior c's which are our over over 60s um it's very much a team sport you can't do dragon boating on your own no no um and i think i like the fact that it's both both male and and females yeah. in in the sport um competing at the same competing at the same time um, and there's there's no you know the women don't get any um, uh, what shall I say and like favoritism you know, in golf. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say like in golf they get you know they can start on a different tee oh, or I'm in with tennis you. yeah I'm with you or yeah. in tennis they only do yep. you know three sets instead of five sets and and that whereas in dragon boating everybody is equal. Yeah, right. Everybody, everybody does the same thing, the same distances. <laughs> You're all doing the so same. So it's it's very unusual in that way. Yeah, all doing the same job. Uh, how many can you have in the boat? Is is there a limit? Um, there is. So in our standard standard boats, which is our traditional, I guess, uh, we have 22, 22 paddlers or athletes in the boat. So you mm. have twenty paddlers who paddle left and right. Well, ten left, ten right. Yeah. A drummer and our sweet person at the back who steers the boat, hopefully in a straight line. <laughs> so, when did dragon boat racing come to Australia in the first place? Well, that's an interesting one. It depends who you actually talk to. So, back in 1981, um, some uh, a surf club in WA were invited to attend a festival in Penang and Singapore. Mm. Um, and then in 1982, they were invited to attend um, a festival event in Hong Kong. 
Um, then in 1982, um, and the inaugural an inaugural Dragon Boat event was held in Fremantle in W in WA. Yeah, right. Um, and then the Fremantle a Fremantle Swan Club was the uh, one of the first clubs in Australia to be formed in 1983. Um, the Port Hacking Dragon Boat Club in Sydney mm. also formed in in 1983. Um, and they were invited to attend an event uh, overseas. Um, and for, because there were no dragon boats in Australia at the time, the Port Hacking Club trained on oyster barges um, <laughs> to train for this event in Singapore that they had been invited to attend. Hmm. So it's obviously evolved over the years here uh, from the original. Has it changed very much? Oh, I would say yes. Like there's elements of it that has certainly changed where originally the sport was very much a, you know, a festival event, a once a year where corporate, a lot of corporate people were involved and it was very corporate focused um, and it was like a festival where people come together to celebrate once a year. Yeah, right. Um, And that's, that's what they, that's what they did. And both at national level and the idea came to, like all other sports, to become a federated model Mm. where clubs are formed and clubs become members of the states and then the states became a member of of OSDBF as the as Mm. the national as the national federation. And that that is that federated model um, evolved over time. And of course OSDBF. Um, is a member of the International Dragon Boat Federation. Yeah, right. So you mentioned you've been doing it for over 30 years. Uh, when did the Dragon Boat Federation of Australia actually come into being? Must be a while ago. Um, it was. So um, the Australian Dragon Boat Federation was uh, incorporated back in 1997. Mm. Um, as with many sports, there was a, a predating organisation um, two years before that in 1995. But that then folded um, to make way for OSDBF to to be born, so to speak, um, and all states to become part of this federated model. And it's been a a, a growth um, ever mm. since then, mm. like many sports under under governance and what we learn and how how better we can do things. And OSDBF works in a very collaborative way um, with all our state members. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of uh, state clubs. How many clubs are there right around Australia? I think there's probably close to 300 clubs scattered right around Australia. Um, Where there's a river, lake or dam, um, (laughs) you will find a dragon boat club. When you've got a body of water, away you go. (laughs) That is is pretty much um, the way that it happens, that people see – you know, we have people who are members of metro clubs and maybe they retire to a regional area or a different area and and have the energy mm. um, and enthusiasm to start up a club in that in that area. Yeah, right. So obviously there's going to be local events and state events. And what about national events in, in advancing the sport? So IDBF run two major events, um, well, a year so in the odd years are the world dragon boat championships Hmm. um with and the first world dragon boat championships was in 1995 in in china 
um, and Australia has has fielded a, a representative team at every single world championship since 1995. Right. Um, in the odd number years, so it's kind of a little bit for us like the Olympics and Com Games. Um, in the even years are the club crew world championships. So the odd years you represent Australia, and in the even years you could represent your club. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah, that's a nice way to do it. How well do we do on the international stage in dragon boat racing? We're certainly up there. It, I will say it depends on some of the age divisions. We do better in some age divisions than we do <laughs> we do others. But on average, I would say we sit in the top five or six across the board in the world. Yeah, because you have to be fit. By the way, I, I don't think I asked the question, how long is the course for the dragon boat race? So that depends. We have four international race distances, um, 200 metres, 500 metres, 1,000 metres and 2,000 metres. Whoa. <laughs> so to put, it in, to put it in context, the, the best men's crew in the world will do 200 metres in under 40 seconds flat. Gee, wow. And I- it's, it's pretty quick. And 2,000 metres, oh, gee, you'd have to be fit to do that, Melanie. <laughs> you do, and that's different to rowing. So rowing rowing do 2,000 metres yeah. um, is standard for them, whereas we do 2,000 metres, so they do a straight line 2,000 metres. Our 2,000 metres is on a 500-metre course, so it's a, it's a technical challenge for our sweeps because mm. they have to do three turns uh-huh. around around a course so that it's a very technical race for the sweeps in getting around that course as quick as they can without causing any um, carnage, shall we say, to other crews coming up <laughs> behind them. So are there countries that perform better than others? I'm thinking the, the Chinese, but maybe not necessarily. There, there certainly are. And if you looked at some of the historical international world championship results, um, the Chinese are certainly up there when it when it comes um, to being, and they are the the best in the the best in the world. Um, but that being being said, the Canadians exceptionally very good, and particularly when it comes to the the senior the senior ages, over, you know, the, our over forties, fifties, and sixties, mm. the Canadians certainly dominate um, in those in those age in those age brackets. Um, and then of recent 2019 and 2023 World Championships, Thailand oh. have some exceptionally very good teams in the in the premiers. Um, and then you get countries like Indonesia, who we don't see very often, um, have, an, have a very, very good team. Yeah, right. So do the events vary in terms of, well, formats, rules, traditions, or does it have to be one standard set of rules? Um. So internationally, we have a standard set of rules, yep. which most of the countries adopt, you know, in in parts. In Australia, we race, we basically utilise the bulk of the international rules, right. but because the international rules are, mo- are set in the Northern Hemisphere, um, sometimes it's a bit difficult for us here down under to kind of implement the same rules because it doesn't really make sense. So we have a few rules that are unique to us here in Australia, but right. the bulk of it is based off the international 
the international roles. Yeah. At the local level, would it help if you were, were a former rower or, or paddler? I suppose it would, but that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. You just get involved, yeah? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, dragon boating is a sport that anybody of any ability yep. and any age can jump in the boat and, and have a go. Um, one of one of the projects or pieces of work that AusDBF um, over the last 12 months has been working on is um, our diversity and and inclusion. Mm. Mm. Um, And we've partnered with Invictus Australia, um, Pride in Sport and Disability Sports Australia. Great. um, Partnering with them to develop our space um mm. with those organized with those organizations so yeah. we're we're thrilled to be able to have some good relationships with those three organizations oh that's fantastic absolutely i did discover that uh, dragon boat racing has quite a close history uh, with breast cancer survivor support groups too yeah it does so um there was a doctor in canada oh, you know, 20, 20 odd years ago, who hmm. did some research into, um, and I'm probably going to not get this correct, but hmm. um, into the um, how how women can, you know, recover from having breast cancer. And so he had some theories, and he he trialed um, some different different ways, and dragon boating was one of those in hmm. in building up. Um, to help help women recover and right. Yeah, right. that was that was back in Canada and so from there it's kind of filtered around the world where breast cancer groups have have popped up all over the place um and in Australia certainly we have um breast cancer groups who are solely breast cancer groups mm. but we also have a lot of um people who are members who are members of a sporting club so they yeah. may have um, had breast cancer, but have may originally paddled with a breast cancer club, but have loved the sport and have moved into one of the the sporting clubs. Well, you know, it's the ultimate team sport, so you know, makes sense that all comes down to helping each other, doesn't it? Ab- absolutely, and that is what team sport is all about. That yeah. there's, you know, it's just amazing when you know to see when Australia sends our team overseas and. It, to accommodate, you know, we have almost 350 people in our team that goes from our juniors right through to our senior Cs. Mm. Um, it's it's amazing to see them all on mass, and it certainly, and I still get moments after all these years. Amazingly, I still get moments of emotion and tears in my eyes when I see all our little juniors racing, mm. um, because it's so heartwarming mm. to see kids you know doing something that clearly that they are enjoying so much and because it's such a a social culture and team sport um and nobody is a star and that's i guess what comes home that not one individual can paddle a dragon boat it has to be all 20 people working together that's perfect, you know, and as I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, goodness me, uh, from the top of the country all the way around, you've got the Brisbane River and Sydney Harbour and the Yarra River and uh, Bass Strait off Glenelg, the Swan River. I mean, there's got to be a club probably near all of them, isn't there? Um, certainly there are on the, the Yarra. Well, the Yarra's oh, perfect. Not the Yarra, but in Docklands, there's certainly, oh, gotcha. there's yeah. certainly a club, clubs based in 
in Docklands. Um, in Sydney, there are clubs scattered all over Sydney. Yeah. Um, from the northern beaches, you know, right the way down, but then right from Ballina all the way down to Marimbula and wow. and out west to Forbes and Dubbo and even Jindabyne has a club in New South Wales. But yeah. then in Queensland, you've got them all from the you know Tweed River border all the way up to to Cairns and and out west. Mm. Um, so it's you know and WA are all the way down from Albany. Perth, Fremantle, all the way up to Kununurra. Yeah. There's a there, there's a club in in Kununurra. So oh, wow. there's certainly and Tasmania, Hobart, Launceston. Um, there are clubs. There are clubs everywhere. And we, we've left the South Aussies out. What about in South Australia? Yep. So they have a a majority of clubs have a have a home base at at Westlakes. Yeah. But they they have. Clubs based regionally, you know, in Port Pirie and Fantastic. on the Murray River. Yeah. Um, you you name it, there there will be a club they're, there. They're. What about uh, in the two territories in in Darwin and the ACT? So AC ACT are, are very lucky that they are just about to launch their new um, amazing headquarters. Yep. Um, on on Lake Burley there, so yep, all their clubs pretty much train out of the, their one training. Will will train out of their one training venue. Yep. Darwin has um, Northern Territory has two clubs. Yeah. Um, that train in um, Cullen Cullen Bay, um, and on the odd occasion when when the weather's good, they get to go out through the lock and and <laughs> and, and and paddle outside. Yeah, and the Todd River when there's water in it. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, exactly. That, that that's always been a, an in joke, I guess. That is the joke. Well, I'm I'm just thinking after all of that, if you want to be a dragon boat racer, you don't have any excuses, do you? <laughs> Absolutely none. As I said, any age, any gender, any any ability, mm. um, we come on down, and um, the clubs will welcome you with open arms. So if the listeners want to get involved, just go to Australian Dragon Boat Racing Federation, yeah? Yep. All they need to do is click onto the AusDBF website, um, which is ausdbf.com.au. All the different states will come up, but we also have a search button. So you can just put in your postcode or the area that you live in, mm. um, and it will find you the the closest club or clubs, in some cases, um, to where you live. Yeah. Fast and furious, you'll get very wet, but you'll have a lot of fun, yeah? Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> Melanie Cantwell from the Australian Dragon Boat Federation. Been a joy to talk to you. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks very much, Tim. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.